This is Channel 253. Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. We, we fly, fly Alaska. Alaska. Book your next flight on alaskaair.com. One, two, two. Interchangeable. White Ladies. Welcome to the Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast. I'm Hope. I'm Annie. Our essential question today is how has the school-to-prison pipeline, gentrification, and criminalization of people of color transformed Tacoma? In other words, we're talking about a million different things a million today. Things. But as um, listeners know, we like to talk about the intersections of those complicated things. And so hopefully we'll dig into that today. Yep. We have two guests um, with us we're lucky to have today. One is Tanya Wilson. She's a Tacoma native, born and raised on the hilltop, considers herself a voice of the community, and she is pursuing her bachelor's in education at the Evergreen State College. Shout out, Gooey Ducks out there. Welcome to the show. And Sankofa Birds. Hey. <laughs> we also have in with us um, June No Ivers, the producer of the documentary Since I've Been Down. And we'll talk a little bit about um, that documentary today as well. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Welcome. Um, let's just start with a little bit of telling us a bit about yourself. Um, you said you're from Tacoma and raised here. Can you talk a little bit about who you are and kind of your journey? Um, what's it like being a Tacoma native? Um, I guess right now... Uh, after my recent experiences, it is a little disorienting. Um, I recently spent some time in prison, uh, quite a considerable time. And um, I came back to a community that looked very different from the one that I'd left um, with politics that were very different, uh, environment. And um, I am trying to, um, I guess marry what I knew with mm -hmm. what I see now and make that work somehow, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm also really glad to have experienced those changes because mm -hmm. then I can, I can kind of um, be the voice for, or one of the voices mm -hmm. that harkens back to the way that it was. Not so much that we can go back to that time, mm -hmm. You know, because that's always problematic. But to um, acknowledge it and see where where the past can influence the now and the future mm -hmm. in, a, in a really positive and meaningful way. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit uh, more specifically about some of those differences? Like when you think back to what Tacoma and the Hill was like um, back when you were younger, what were some of the things that you loved um, about Tacoma and the Hilltop? I think... Um, one of the most fundamental things is that um, that's where most of my family is. Mm -hmm. um, but also, I liked the sense of community. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that I was um, immersed in a sense of community in terms of the the uh, black population on the hilltop. Mm -hmm. But there was um, block parties down on Pacific Avenue, and there were um, black history festivals in Stanley yeah. Park. Yeah. And... Um, my, te my my grandmother was a teacher at McCarver Elementary, so, um, you know, there was all these different things that anchored people in the community and, and other black families, families that had been here for mm -hmm. a couple of generations that um, seemed so normal that um, 
I took it for granted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then there were, you know, as I grew up, there was a time when gangs and drugs and, um, you know, the the presence, let's say, of the Tacoma Police Department Mm -hmm. changed the dynamic that I had known. And, um, you know, a lot of people were influenced by that negatively or impacted. And now um, I come back to the hilltop and it's gentrified. Mm -hmm. Um, The trees are beautiful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I have to try to um, like make peace with Mm -hmm. what I knew, what I experienced Mm -hmm. and what I see now. When you see gentrification, what is that like to you? What's the biggest marker of gentrification when you walk down MLK and you you see how it's changed? Like what what's the biggest red flag for you? Oh, this is <laughs> this is really different. And you can it's okay. shades fine. You can yeah. We we got the shame bell here. We can ring it all you want. <laughs> well, I mean, damn, I'm gonna have to run up and down MLK <laughs> if I'm this, you know. But I'm not gonna do that. Um, I think that. If you if we're thinking if I if I am imagining MLK, the businesses are different. Mm-hmm. The um and mm-hmm. a lot of uh, local politics influence that. A lot mm-hmm. of the businesses that had been there since my grandfather was young did not uh, have the chance to have their their leases renewed. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, family owned barber shops yeah. and um, you know stores that could survive and persist even Mr. Max which is going away now and it's getting you know pushed out by development Mm -hmm. Uh, say for instance there was a brown star grill Mm -hmm. uh, where the red elm is now Mm -hmm. and those uh, there used to be apartments above them that were I mean time out of mind for low income housing Mm -hmm. Um, people who have Living wage jobs can't afford mm-hmm. those apartments mm-hmm. that are above the Red Elm now. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it makes you wonder, where did those people go yeah. who lived there? It wasn't like they stopped living mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. needing a place where, um, you know, subsidies were a reality. Mm-hmm. And so you just think about how not only the... Um, the dynamic of the neighborhood changed, mm-hmm. but the values that undergirded those changes, how they, how they just kind of suck, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, for mm-hmm. the people who were there. Yeah, we've, um, so Channel 253 is kind of the umbrella for the podcast, and um, we host something called Adult Civics Happy Hour. So we've had a few um, events talking, trying to unpack a little bit about the idea around gentrification in Tacoma and specifically the housing crisis Mm -hmm. um, because it's happening around us, right? And it's almost, in some ways, like you mentioned, happening to people, but people, you know, where are those people going, right? Where are these families going? So um, can you speak a little bit more um, to how do we, how do we reconcile with what's, I guess, happening kind of to us, but at the same time, like we're part of the community. So how do we, um, I don't know, not slow down, not the right word, but how do we address um, some of these changing dynamics? Is there, when you're thinking about it, are you, are you thinking about ways that we could handle that better in Tacoma? Well, I, I mean, and I guess this, I, it would go for any any town USA yeah. because gen, uh, gentrification or the process of people m- moving back from the suburbs right. back into the city and housing prices going up, um, is not like a unique phenomenon mm-hmm. to here. 
I think that the sense of community that um, existed before, the sense that um, everybody, regardless of whether they have resources or not, deserves a a good place to live, deserves community, deserves consideration, um, is something that everybody needs to acknowledge, Mm -hmm. not just the people who can afford the housing prices as they are. And, you know, I know that I was talking to... um, Patsy, when we went to Patty, we went to, my Patty, Patty, we yeah. went to we went to Portland, and we're talking to um, at the Encore conference, right? Yeah, and we um, were talking to one of June's friends, and she had been in Portland for a considerable amount of time from California, and she talked about how it just became unsustainable right. to live in Southern yeah. California, yeah. and then how people in Portland resented the people who moved to Portland. Mm-hmm. Um, in in response to that unsustainability and you know she's she was she was really hitting on the the reality that pe- the people who are being displaced are often being displaced by people who have been displaced mm-hmm. and so um which we can talk about with Seattle and Tacoma like right, right? Like absolutely. Red, redfin is you know they said that you know Tacoma is the fastest growing yeah. real estate market in the United States currently and right. and i know so many people it's like literally living in Seattle it's like all my artist class friends have all left yeah. right mm-hmm. and now doctors are leaving yeah mm-hmm. doctors are leaving because it's unsustainable you right. know and you sit there and you think you know, my we go to a public elementary school and my daughter's first grade teacher, who is a wonderful teacher, she just got displaced with the whole budgeting and everything. Yeah, and right. She was just like, you know, this is a really fabulous school. Why are why are there no kids going to this school? And I was like, well, first off, the people who can afford to live in this yeah, neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. Don't have children. Yeah. and Don't, don't have children. Yeah. Or if they have children, the public school is not good enough for their child. Yeah, right. It's not good enough That's for their child. That's a whole level of And so you sit there, there yeah. And yeah. so you sit there and you think, yeah. oh, well, you know, uh, would they be a good neighbor if they have a $1.5 million house? No. <laughs> because mm. they are thinking about what they have mm. and what, th- what they can hold on to. Right. Mm. So if you think about that with the hilltop and just the community and, and, and I think. One of the people in the film talked about how, you know, it was a community. You can you the kids can run up and down the street and be like, you know, hey, mm-hmm. oh, I see our kids, you know, at at Absolutely. you know Martha's a- house. Absolutely. I, you know, and mm-hmm. it was just a it was just a network. It was a village. It yeah. was a community. And I right. think I think that's the whole thing. It, it's holding court mm-hmm. to that displacement, but also rec- you know welcoming, but also giving credence to those who were there mm-hmm. before us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And let's think about like this isn't just uh, real estate, um, a real estate, you know, uh, it's not phenomenon. Capital- capitalism. Yeah. 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 But no, I mean it is in this economic development mm-hmm. on a, a a local politics scale as well because mm-hmm. there was a, a a plan for development for the hilltop right. for yeah. several decades yeah. before yes. this came to fruition. You know, right. yeah. and um, I'm sure for all the areas of Seattle and uh, other various places that have experienced this phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Uh, Mims said we shouldn't call it gentrification. We should just call it reality. Mm. But, um, you know, Washington State also does not have a law for rent control. 
Mm-hmm. Right. I was as you're talking, I've been thinking about that because, um, you know, trying to read some things on like how do we prevent or how do we, I don't know, like soften the impact of gentrification. I don't know what the wording would be necessarily. Is that a solution Defend against it? Yeah. 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 Is that a solution? Um, think? I don't think that there can be one solution yeah. to such a complex problem, especially when it's come from so mm-hmm. many different when the forces that influence it mm-hmm. are, you know, so varied. Um you know, and then there are people involved at the mm. very bottom of it, or should I say at the at what needs to rise to the top. Mm. And I think that um, a lot, like when I talk to people about what has happened on the hilltop, even people who have grown up right there on those same streets, their grandparents have lost their houses or their, or their mothers have lost the, the houses that their parents had. And they make it an individual problem. Yeah, you know yeah. they they yeah. make it seem as if somehow the, it it there were character flaws in the people mm-hmm. that um, yeah. you know created this problem. And I'm not saying that you know people aren't self determining, but where but, were their bootstraps? Where yeah, right. were their bootstraps? <laughs> yeah, it's a very it's a lack of systemic yeah, thinking and looking frames, at issues. It frames it as like a personal moral failing. Yeah. Right, right, that you, right. if your home is foreclosed on, it's because you didn't work hard enough. If you, right, right and that's not reality because, like you said, the the inputs, it's also not an individual problem if it's happening with every other house on the block. Right, it's an right. outcome. Hey. Yeah, yeah. Right. So it's you know it, I yeah absolutely. So I I feel like this is a good place to kind of pause and listen to the clip um, that was sent that June sent over a little bit about just the term Tacoma's pariah. Um, can we listen to that briefly and then let's talk a little bit about um, what you shared there and kind of the impact of that. It's on top of a very nice hill and it overlooks Commencement Bay, all of downtown, and Nally Valley. It's adjacent to Old Tacoma. It has ease of access, and it has quality homes. It is beautiful. And for so long, it was just Tacoma's pariah, and now it's its darling, and it pisses me off. In some ways, it is worse, but it looks prettier, and white people feel more comfortable. And there's a bike shop in a cafe. Um, so can we talk a little bit about just, uh, I'm really struck by your choice of words in this um, little clip uh, about being Tacoma's pariah and then the shift to being the darling. Mm-hmm. Um, why did you choose those words in this case? Because she's a poet. I, I'm an English teacher, so I'm <laughs> like, why did you pick words, these words? Wilson? <laughs> I don't know, because they were... Um, the ones that fit, they they were the ones that that were there for that present moment. They were the mm-hmm. truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and as people experience life on the hilltop and life looking outside, like looking at like bird's eye view, and you know trying to examine what the heck happened. Because, you know, I talk to, like, the guys that have grown up here, and they're like, they are so outraged. They're like, and I've heard it, <laughs> I've heard it at least five times from different people. White people feel safe running down 23rd Street. Yeah. 
Like, they're walking little dogs. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, I, and it's That's not even. That's a sign of gentrification, folks, right there. <laughs> Yoga right. pants. And, I, you know, Yoga I, pants. I, I don't even think that it was, it's, they're speaking about a phenomenon yeah. that isn't really encapsulated in their words, mm. but in their indignation. Mm. Um, because if you have been, um, if you have been in a place that, or lived in a place, or grown up in a place that had a negative connotation yeah. just by virtue of its location and the yeah. name of its location, yeah. Yeah. be it Hilltop or yeah. Shalishan yeah. Yeah. or, you know. Or Bed-Stuy right. or Compton. Yeah. Right. Or um, 23rd and Cherry, uh, yeah. you know. In, in Seattle. Seattle. Yeah. Right. Um, and then somehow that changes and you don't quite understand how it does, but you know it impacts you. Mm-hmm. And um, you you don't have as much access to mm-hmm. your own way of living as mm-hmm. you did by virtue of that change. It does cause mm-hmm. indigna- indignation. It causes mm-hmm. fear. It... Um, and I I really do try to talk about that experience in terms that the people that I've grown up around can um, understand and like like really resonates with the people who who may not have went to college and you know done an, a meta analysis on <laughs> sure yeah. you know yeah <laughs> but. Um, they still feel the real impact in their they're right. living it. They're it's, living it's in their gut, and all yeah. they say is, "Why people feel safe?" When there were times when I had to live here and I didn't feel safe. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I had to grow up here, and I didn't feel safe. My friends died over on that corner, shot down by the police. Um, not by virtue of anything except for that. You know, at the end of the summer. This color doesn't wear off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I I really want people to understand, especially the people who who can lend their voices to the one that I have. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. everybody has a story. I'm, I don't discount the stories of anybody based on what color they are or whether they're tan fades there are so many white people that were in the same sense of indignation mm-hmm. as somebody who was of color. But um, somehow I want all those voices to be able to um, articulate that experience mm-hmm. in a way that is real and that somebody can listen to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then maybe we can organize... And I don't mean like, like, but just organize, get people to collectively um, do something to, about that. I don't know. That sounds mm-hmm. cor- kind of corny, and I'm not. No, trying I, to you leave. know, you know, you know. I was yeah. like thinking. So Kristen Gillibrand was um, mm-hmm. campaigning in Ohio this mm-hmm. week, and a woman who was carrying her baby. She, you know, mm-hmm. they were talking about how. You know, why are you guys embracing this whole conversation about white privilege? Like, what about us who are mm. our economies and our 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 world in the steel belt had got decimated? And, 
you know, Chris and Jill were in, did a really wonderful, succinct way of saying, you know, it's not we have all suffered yeah. in many ways. But I think it's about pulling credence and realizing that if your child gets swept up by the police, you know, a child who's black or brown is four times more likely right. to be prosecuted, criminalized right. yeah. than your white child. And so we need to start recognizing mm-hmm. that. And I was like, wow, like, mm-hmm. you know, because I really hasn't been, haven't been paying attention to her. But I think yeah. it's not, a, it, you know, it's like we sit there and we think it's yeah. so easy to be divisive. Yeah. It's so easy to perpetuate the culture of fear. And I think if we start actually recognizing each other's humanity, that's when we can start. Mm-hmm. Right. joining together right mm-hmm. and start realizing like oh tanya my baby's at your house right you know right you know can you just keep an eye yeah. on her you know because you know it's like we mm-hmm. it's like we might as well just put you know right now at this point in time where society is like black mirror it's like we might as well yeah. trackers on our children oh now gosh, because yeah. we don't want <laughs> That's an we can't we can't episode. we can't we yeah. can't just mm-hmm. you know trust each other yeah. So I think I think that's um, right, and also recognizing that this is not you know this is not nothing anything new. Yeah, right. The it's story of the Pacific stable. Northwest, yeah. right, with the First Natives, yep. you know, their their removal, and then the, I mean we the Tacoma literally invented the Tacoma method, mm-hmm. right, which mm-hmm. is about right. the displacement yep. of the yep. Chinese from yep. Commencement Bay. I mean, if you look at I mean, it's all about real estate. It's mm-hmm. all about mm-hmm. capitalism. It's all about who has and who doesn't. You mm-hmm. know. And then I was, you know, I was sitting there looking at, and then the essence of like the reason why Tanya and her family have been in the hilltop for so long is because of redlining, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Yeah. And we've talked a little bit about that on the show. Um, there's some other shows in the Channel 253 network that have talked and dug into redlining a bit. But I, I'm really glad you brought it up because yeah. we can't forget all these different factors that have contributed to the current condition that we're in. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of wondering, so thinking about some of our listeners um, and just the reality, I, I'm torn by this tension of like the keep, keep Tacoma feared narrative, right? Because on the one hand, um, you know, protect community and I don't want people that are not like I, I'm a transplant to Tacoma um, for like, I don't know, 13 years, something like that. Um, and so on the one hand, I don't want more folks coming in who like don't necessarily belong, even though I'm like part of the problem. Um, on the other hand, I also get really mad when I run into people who are still like, oh, the hill, because there's still people out there who, especially white people who are um, frightened of cities and urbanization and people of color um, and all all the things um, and the mall or whatever. I don't know what they're like so terrified. And so whenever I hear that narrative as well, I'm really um, I always push back on them. Like, what's your problem? Why? What's your deal? And so I'm torn between these two things. Um, And what does that mean for people who are moving to Tacoma? Like a number of our listeners either live on the hilltop or have helped gentrify a different neighborhood. And so, I mean, what do we say to those folks? And like, how do they kind of back to your point about community in terms of um, how do you not be part of a problem? And then Mm -hmm. also um, you are part of the problem. Yeah. Like once you're here, what do you do to make it not terrible? Because people are coming, right? Like, right. Or do you oh, just not? Yeah. Or do you choose not to come, right? So I've seen, I've had right. a few or friends on not, yeah. like social media where we're talking about, you know, they're like looking for a home or they're looking whatever, and they're like, I don't want to add to the problem on the hill, but also like there's some really nice houses. It's and cute. Some they're that. cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So let's take a quick break. Think about that question, um, and then we'll come back. Oh my gosh, Annie. So when's your next vacation? I don't know. It's really hard to plan. There's like a me, Angela, baby. It's hard to travel with a baby. So I'm kind of. I don't know, just like kind of vacation sober right now. (laughs) 
You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, you need to get away. Like, make a getaway and no. get away. And plus, haven't you been building up your Alaska miles? Well, obviously. What self-respecting Seattle-Tacoma area traveler does not have an Alaska mileage number? I have my memorized. Hashtag true confession. Oh, really? That's kind of awesome. It is really the best, though. When Even when I don't fly, I can build miles with purchases on my Alaska credit card, which uh, is cool. I like that. Yeah, I love it. We book trips using miles all the time. One year, Nate and I gorge ourselves on barbecue in Kansas City Ooh. by using our, like, miles and companion fare. Another year, we spent a week in New Orleans. You who can dat? just Yeah, who dat, who dat? I learned that you had to shout that everywhere you went. That's awesome. Yeah, this is going to be such a great way for you, your boo, and your baby to get away. Plus, your baggage fee is waived if you use Alaska credit card. That's so rad. You can pack all the diapers you want. I'm going to go check out fl- flights right now. All right. To book your next flight, visit AlaskaAir.com. We fly Alaska. All right. And we're back. We're so back. we uh, ended with a very complex question <laughs> that was also convoluted. Um, but we've got a lot of white people that listen to our show. And just thinking about the role of white people um, in being perpetuators of gentrification, um, but then also like um, having a certain amount of like social power, whatever, like what do you think white people in Tacoma should be doing around these issues around gentrification and displacement? If you had a magic wand. (laughs) Well, I don't think that I don't necessarily think that the problem is, quote unquote, the white people that are moving Mm -hmm. into Tacoma. I think people are being displaced. I think that everybody wants and deserves to live in a community that where they feel Mm -hmm. comfortable, where they Mm -hmm. feel safe, where they feel included. And once you are privileged enough to have that then lend your voice mm. to someone who may or, or like create space for someone who may not have all those things mm-hmm. all at once. And so what I would say to the the privileged who among us mm. and who are going to be among us cuz I mean it, the shit show is not going to stop <laughs> um is to create space for those people be curious mm. about what created this space for mm-hmm. you and then make that space maybe for them mm-hmm. um because you know uh i can be impactful as tanya wilson as ta mm-hmm. as tata as who i am and my ident- my un- un- my unique identity and story but when it's tanya and june mm-hmm. and then the people who move down the street who are totally different, you know, position and story. And then they create space for Tanya and June. Mm. And then we go and share collectively. Then that brings power and it brings shared power and mm-hmm. it brings shared opportunity for something mm-hmm. different. And maybe we won't know what that different is until we begin to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But until people are willing to to like sit in that discomfort mm-hmm. and hear those stories and then talk about it and then just believe maybe that um I heard Megan Rapinoe talking on mm-hmm. on uh 360 the other night and she said she may not know what um a, a person of color's experience is like she doesn't have to understand mm-hmm. them but all she can do is say I believe what you're saying is true. Like, I believe you mm-hmm. when you say that this mm-hmm. is your experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And whether that's kneeling with Colin Kaepernick or, you know, believing a woman who says that she 
was um, sexually assaulted mm-hmm. by a yep. prominent yep. political figure. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, when you create space for believability of someone else's story, mm-hmm. then it changes the dynamic mm-hmm. in a way that we can't even imagine. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's what I would say. All you privileged, <laughs> make mm-hmm. some space. Mm-hmm. And don't make it for people who are like you. Make it for mm. people Speak, yep. who have not had the opportunity to be like you. Mm-hmm. Um, one pivot a little bit. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so much to think about. Uh, we want to pivot a little bit and talk uh, more directly about the documentary mm-hmm. that you both were involved in. And so, June, I don't know if you want to talk more explicitly about what exactly this is and how you got involved in this project um, and then Tanya's involvement as well. So um, I know a lot of people in the Tacoma community know Dr. Gilda Shepard from uh, Evergreen, and she has been teaching. She's She's been a uh, a positive influence in the community mm-hmm. and she started volunteer teaching in the prisons maybe in like the early 2000s and mm-hmm. then um started bringing you know she's a sociology professor and so she's just she's sort of like god the conversations that we're having here like are so amazing like how can we how how do i get people here and listen to what's happening here right mm-hmm. and so she's just started bringing a camera in and over the years, things have happened and changed. And so what is happening currently... So this this film basically is about Tacoma, Everytown, mm-hmm. USA, right? And and the social and economic forces that had changed the east side and the hilltop and how they... How is a mass removal mm. of people in... Kids. Kids. Mm. Babies. Mm-hmm. Yep. Teenagers. Yep. And how we built all these laws, you know, there's no parole in the state of Washington. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are the first state to create three strikes, which is basically the model for the 1994, Mm -hmm. like, you know, crime bill. And so we sit there and think, and we look now in 2019 being like, wow, why, why is there all this mass incarceration? Well, we have to look at the history. Right. Yep. And what have brought us to this point. And so, and what were the underlying layers behind it? And so what is happening in the prisons currently is that the Black Prisoners Caucus in the state of Washington has been um, very active in uniting their community within their prisons. And it's been an organizing group that's been around since the 1970s. And it's very, very prominent in Monroe. But the thing is, like, you know, the DOC, all the different prisons are their own ecosystems. And right. what happens in one prison may not happen in the other prison. And, you know, we talk about um, our resources in th- these different prisons. And um, one of the things, you know, because we are the state of Washington, um, we don't fund education. We stop funding education yeah. in the prisons. And so the only way that you can get uh, education is if you're serving seven years or less and you can get a grant. <clears throat> but... You know, think about all these people who are serving life sentences, mm. 80 years, 100 years. <coughs> they're going to sit around there and do what? And so the Black Prisoners Caucus has created a very <clears throat> wonderful model of supporting each other. And and so in and it's easy at Monroe or at Purdy to, for people who to come volunteer through nonprofits to help bring education to these prisons. Yeah. But what about Clallam Bay? Yeah. What about Walla Walla? What about all these places that are out in the middle of nowhere? 
Mm-hmm. And so at the BPC in Clallam Bay, they started it in 2012, and then they started a TEACH program, but it's hard to get people to drive four hours out to the peninsula mm-hmm. to volunteer yeah, yeah. to educate these classes. And so what is amazing about this model is that not only are they the teachers, but they are the students. Mm-hmm. They are designing the curriculum. Mm-hmm. They have created a board structure, and those classes are so compelling. You know, it's like you and I could not teach parenting from prison because we don't know anything about what right. are the conditions of parenting yeah. from prison. Yeah. But yeah. it's also, too, it's like how these men have created these this dynamic of, you know, breaking down masculinity, breaking down patriarchy, you know, sh- you know, revealing their emotions, having conversations when so much of their lives they've been told not to have emotions, not to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And so through their class, they have cultural classes, they have uh, mm-hmm. African studies, Mesoamerican studies, um, uh, Asian history, um, Viking history. They teach coding, they teach math, they teach political science, and the conversations that they're having there is so, it's it's amazing. Mm-hmm. So what's going on now is that these men have been, and with the support of the community too, have been going to all the different prisons, creating another, uh, creating BPCs in their they're purposely getting themselves transferred to these other prisons, creating a BPC, and then um, creating a TEACH model. And mm-hmm. it has been re- breaking down racism, mm-hmm. violence. Um, a lot of those things are, you know, it's codified. It's like, you know, it's like, yeah, when you were in Tacoma, you were a blood and you were a crip. Right. But when you're in prison, you're you're a black prisoner, mm-hmm. you know, you're a white prisoner. Mm-hmm. And so then you associate based mm-hmm. upon those different lines. Mm-hmm. And so what's education is creating a conversation mm-hmm. that wasn't there before and so we're sitting there and and it's an inmate led it's a black led mm. world that has been changing so much and so in this film alone um we're still finishing it up uh we hope to do the festival circuit in the next year um it's creating a it's it's shining a light in the dark corners mm-hmm. It's giving voice. It's listening. It's listening to the feet of elders of, of the wisdom of the people who have been through these situations. Mm-hmm. So, um, hmm. that's so it's been a it's been an, a compelling project, and I think there's so much more because it's like I know that before I came to this project, I was like, uh, all these statistics on mass incarceration. What 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 is? I don't know what to do about it, and it's it's hard because storytelling is such a compelling way to right. humanize it. Yeah, you know. And so I feel like, you know, I remember the first time I went into prison, I was so fearful. I was so mm-hmm. scared, right? And granted, I'm seeing, like, the best of the best. But it's like, now I'm seeing these brilliant minds. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing these brilliant conversations. Right. And uh, it's hard to not recognize brilliance when it's right in front of mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. But I think I think that's I think for us that's the part of the movie is that you know it's so easy with like the thirteenth or whatever to talk about these policymakers mm, yeah. or these legislators yeah. or these very yeah. like academic people yeah. when they don't know what it's like right mm-hmm. you know so it's so important for us to give voices to um, the people who are not you know we need in order us for us to create history we need to listen yeah and change history by listening to those who have been marginalized mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right yeah and it's, it's so a lot i want what, what i hear you saying is that through this documentary um gilda and everybody who has worked on the mm-hmm. on the film um has created space for those voices um because it disrupts the common narrative about yeah, yeah. 
what this thing is that seems like um seems like a detriment mm. you know and and makes it something that is an opportunity and a space for real transformation mm. you know people i mean it is normal to think that the worst of the worst is in prison i mean they have whole cable channels dedicated yeah. to making sure that you mm. realize that if you go to prison, it's because you're the worst of the worst. And that's not always true. Yeah. Like, there is no absolute truth um, in terms of people. Mm. And when we allow for that possibility that, you know, there's something other than what we already or have previously believed, then, you know, um, then we create an opportunity for something that we can't imagine. And... That's what you guys have done. That's what we have had the opportunity to do. Like, mm -hmm. and I'm so um, very fortunate to be a part of the 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 film because, you know, um, it's just my it's just my story, and it's important to me because it's mine. But there, I'm just a representative of so mm -hmm. many stories that are like mm -hmm. it. So much potential that this hasn't been realized only because it hasn't been heard. Mm -hmm. And I think it's um, so important for children yeah. to see this, too. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Like, they're seeing their aunties, their right. yeah. their grandparents. Yeah. They're seeing, you know, they're seeing the people in their community mm -hmm. on a TV, mm -hmm. you know? It's so, you know, when we talk about, like, um, uh, uh, what do they call it? Uh, representation yeah. in media. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's, you know... It's a right. representation in media. It's not just the kings and the presidents. We we need to talk to everybody. Right. You know, it's these are important. And you mm. know, it's like and I'm not you know, I'm not interested in I think that's the whole thing too. It's like I've worked in a very like white male Hollywood for a long time. Yeah. And it's like I'm not really interested in that. You know, yeah. I, you know, what's another Marvel movie? Mm -hmm. You know? Like I wanna see that's the thing, it's like, you know, it's I wanna see other people i want to see other stories i want to be transported yeah. Yeah. just like books do yeah. like you know why can't we see that more yeah right you know i'm really into like pose currently yeah. and it's like wow like it's it's amazing you know just to talk about this very marginalized community of trans black mm. people in the 80s mm -hmm. and you're like wow and like this was always this is not nothing new this mm. is not a new phenomenon mm -hmm. right and and then it really makes me question about gender mm -hmm. yeah it makes me question about these these constructs that we have, mm -hmm. you know. And then, and then I go out and I see the kids these days, and it's like, we can all use the bathroom. We're, yeah. you know, my husband yeah. and I go to the gay clubs, and we're like, oh, yeah, let's go to the bathroom together. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, you know, look at the boys wearing mascara, and yeah, look at the girls. Yep. You know, it's this is this is this is a new world. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I think, um, <coughs> and whether or not you define that self, it's it's okay to explore. It's okay to listen. It's okay to imagine mm -hmm. yeah. these different spaces. Whether or not it's your reality or your past or your present or your future, so I'm glad you brought up kids too because I, I think about we both teach teenagers, hope and ideal, and I think about like um, the fact that uh, how young Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera were when they started the Stone, basically started the organization around Stonewall, which is the 50th anniversary of Stonewall this year, but. Sylvia Rivera was 17, mm -hmm. right? And so I think about like age too and how that contributes to this like. Um, 
like whose voices do we value, mm-hmm. right? And we need to be listening mm-hmm. to because we don't want to listen to kids. Yeah, nobody wants to listen. To, but well, except you know, yeah, yeah, teachers. no, but that, no, that, no <laughs> well, that's our job. Yeah, that's our job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're right. I think about the populations that we don't want to listen to. Right. So we're talking about kids, the elderly, mm-hmm. um, folks in prison. I mean, there's just all these groups that we say that their voices don't matter and their their stories don't matter. But that's completely not true. Um, so I'm really excited to see the the film when it comes out. Is it about a year before well, the public will get access? Yeah, I mean, hope it's it's a uh, we're still going through fundraising. We're still yeah. going. We're finishing. I mean, mm-hmm. I think I, I remember hearing um, someone talk about like the nature of filmmaking, and it's like, yeah, you you got to pay people yeah, to right. bring a cam- you got to yeah. buy a camera, yeah. mm-hmm. you got to edit, you got to make it pretty. You know, it's like we have one shot really to do this Mm -hmm. and so we're going to do it the best to our abilities Mm -hmm. and that's what i you know i was talking Mm -hmm. to your producer about you know the democratization of filmmaking you know it's like i came i came as a film purist Mm -hmm. right and now it's like in the film we have footage of um people who have given us you know they've given us their photographs and their mini dv you know and that and the mini dv i mean if you think about it like in the early in the 90s it was all about skate culture and hip-hop culture it's like these kids literally had in their cameras an ability to tell their story through Mm -hmm. their music or through their skateboarding or just riding around in cars and just dreaming it may not come to anything or or not and that's what's really cool about it's like we Mm -hmm. have footage from you know the 90, 90s, the mid 90s and the late 90s of the reality of the hilltop, mm-hmm. you know, and really what were they? They were kids mm-hmm. hanging around, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. flirting with boys. Yeah. You know, <laughs> right. just, you know, <laughs> what everybody does, what every, what every teenager yeah. does. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. and creating their own, they're creating their own families. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, we always talk about how your friends or your, the families that you chose. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. can we actually tie back? Um, so I don't know if listeners are pulling the threads kind of together. We started by talking a lot about like the hill and gentrification. Um, and as we talk about the documentary, how do you see those things kind of working together? Um, what's the connection for folks? Can we make it explicit for our listeners? Um, I think we've definitely used um, Tanya's story in the documentary about seeing the change mm. and I think it's just more about opening people's eyes mm. to realizing like this is what you know this was a sacred ground that that they created their history in yeah. and I think holding a place for that and recognizing that um, these families these children these parents these teachers these community members um they had their place mm-hmm. and they still have their place mm-hmm. now. And I think showing that the through line of what happens in prison, in our schools, in our churches, in our, you know, in our homes, that it, it all connects. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. It all connects. And we and whether or not the reality of lending ourselves to it's so easy. It's so easy to be a follower. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to 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 let our institutions drive us but it's 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 so hard to talk to each other yeah. and it's so hard to <laughs> move forward and and I think that's the whole thing about this film about you know black led work is that they're doing the work every day you know it's it's like the miles that they made in four or five decades mm. is always t- 
tiny inches. And that's the whole thing. It's like we always seem so overwhelmed by like, what can we do? What yeah, can we yeah. say? Yeah. But it's really it's it's the work. It's it's the little mm-hmm. things every yes. day. Yeah. You know. Yep. Yeah. So I think and I think that's really what it is about, you know, bring as you say, bringing it all together. It's just like, OK, here are the here are the conditions and here yeah. are the outcomes. So how do we realize that, you know, our biases about crime, <laughs> our biases about yeah. Um, yeah. race yeah. Mm-hmm. facing those yeah. and facing them and, and just hold, and recognizing it. Mm-hmm. So as we um, kind of wrap up our show with a, a little bit longer here, but um, I'm thinking about how can people support the work that you're doing and how could they support the documentary? Mm-hmm. Um, and Tanya, directly to you, like how can people support kind of what's happening in Tacoma or your um, we'll kind of address both of those questions. So I don't know either of you want to start with that. Uh, so we are, um, since I've been down, you can check us out at www.jimmylewisproductions.com. It is our film landing page currently. Um, we are still fundraising um, for to finish the film. We are at a good rough cut. We're going to have a community screening at Evergreen in mm-hmm. August. so that 11th. On August 11th, so that a lot of the people, we're still looking for archival footage we're looking for we're basically looking for people who have may passed away mm-hmm. or you know finding releases because it's really important for us to show black young faces mm-hmm. on camera mm-hmm. you know we don't want to blur out these images mm-hmm. we want to show that mm-hmm. these are the kids who are swept up in this mm-hmm. and forces beyond their control mm-hmm. um that's one way to support it and another um and then if you are so inclined <laughs> uh, northwest film forum is our fiscal sponsor so you can give a tax-deductible uh, <laughs> contribution, and there's a donate link in the page to support that. Cool. And then um, can you think of, I mean, I, I think of, like, organizations that we can support, like yeah. Village mm-hmm. of Hope. Um, Black Prisoners Caucus. Black Prisoners mm-hmm. Caucus. If you can go to a summit for the Black Prisoners Caucus, um, I think. Mm-hmm. Is that open to anybody? Yes. yes. Oh, oh cool. yeah. They have a youth summit, which I think as educators yeah. you guys would think would be yep. really oh, awesome be amazing. and compelling. Yeah. yeah. Um, at Shelton and Monroe and Clallam Bay. And, okay. and now there's a BPC at the Women's Prison okay. that's starting that's out. That's awesome. And so, Tana, you mentioned, we mentioned at the beginning of the show that you are getting a bachelor's in education. Um, why, Ed? We're both teacher nerds, so why do you want to? What are you hoping to accomplish with that? Um, why become? A, are you gonna become a teacher? Yes, yes. I think that at some level, everyone is a teacher, um, and I think that I realized first of all, my grandma was a kindergarten teacher, yeah. and I loved. Shout out to kindergarten teachers! Oh my right. gosh, seriously, that is <laughs> right. that's the work. I would never do that. That's the work. <laughs> Well, and, and she, you know, she felt like her job was to create yeah. good citizens, yeah, that's not good. to learn your yeah. ABCs or yeah. how to count or anything. Yeah. How to, how to learn how, how to be social, hmm. how to learn how to create community mm-hmm. at its most, you know, basic and mm-hmm. fundamental level. But, you know, I seen um, while I was in prison, while I was down. Um, the magic that the classroom has when there is that free exchange of mm-hmm. ideas. And, you know, for me, I realized that um, we we realize what's possible in the world because we see somebody mm-hmm. else mm-hmm. in our position mm-hmm. making that thing possible. Mm-hmm. And so I want to expand that for you know young black yeah people 
whether they're men or I mean, girls or boys, I want them to see their teachers look like them. And I want, yeah. I want um, young black men and women to think critically about their mm-hmm. position and what they can do. And I don't want for them to have to go to prison mm-hmm. to analyze their mm-hmm. social mm-hmm. position so they can do something mm-hmm. about it. Like, mm-hmm. that is a crying shame, mm-hmm. you know, and... Like, that is something that I can do. Mm-hmm. It's something that just brings me joy. Um, and so that's why. Mm-hmm. Can we also talk really briefly about how um, your exposure to college education, going to Evergreen? <clears throat> oh, yeah. So, you know, that's one of the ways that Gilda found me. I was, um, I, I had my first stint in uh, college when I was 19, and I was literally still in the 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 gang lifestyle. Like, I would leave school on my lunch breaks and go, you know, sell drugs across the street, literally. And um, one of the things that was... I've always loved school since since I can remember. Mm. Um, and I've And I've not stopped. It's become problematic. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Since since I've been out. But um, the reason why I didn't stay in school, I call it my first stint, Mm. is because I didn't have the basic knowledge of writing skills that I needed to stay there. You know, and the fear of of asking for that that assistance drove me away, you know, Mm -hmm. and drove me back across the street. Um, and that is also a grind shame. Like, there's no mm-hmm. reason why someone who is intelligent mm-hmm. and capable and resourceful should have to go into college not knowing how to write an essay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's drowsy, yeah. And, um, and so I want to stand in the gap for someone else like Gilda stood in the gap for me and all the teachers who have taught me since then Mm. you know I don't want any anyone who wants to go to school to fail for lack of the basic tools to be there Mm -hmm. so and the and the and the and the support you know I think it's so hard Mm. for kids to ask for help I think we have I don't know what happens in middle school or whatever um Mm -hmm. but you know we have so much insecurity at that age, mm-hmm. I mean, there's so much going on. Puberty. Yeah, I had a st- yeah. I had a student email me yesterday and ask for a letter of recommendation and apologize like three times <laughs> for a letter what? of recommendation for college. And I I said, well, how soon do you need it? What's it for? And they said, oh, it's for college. I don't need it until di- like November. But I wanted to ask you early. I'm really sorry. But it just the, the just the fact that there's that like kind of shame attached to like asking for something when you, and it's not that's not even necessarily help that to me like write a letter of recommendations like that's basic right like mm-hmm. I do it all the time mm-hmm. for students but for this particular student and for a lot of our students not being able to open up and ask for help and feel right. vulnerable right? right that's really really yeah. key well it's so huge to make that part of the cultural dynamic in your classroom and right. in, at your school right to be open about when you need somebody else and that we all need other people to help us at some point with something right. and so Absolutely. as a teacher i need help from my students and vice versa and so how do we make that yeah. like the norm of how we do things absolutely how we roll? 
Well, I think it's time for our final segment. Do your fudging homework. Interchangeable. White ladies! All right, so in this segment, uh, give us a recommendation that's something that our audience, our listeners, and also us, um, we can do to be less basic. So I'm going to recommend um, watching Tanya's TEDx talk, A Cracked Sidewalks, and I'll link to that in the show notes. Oh, she's cringing. No. <laughs> Do I not want to recommend that? No, it's so good though. It's It's good. good. It's so good, bro. It's hard, you know. I was. You are a snitch. I know. (laughs) I know. But it's. I mean, I can't even imagine doing a TED talk. And you're you so, you do so, so brilliantly. Like if I had to Terrifying. do a TED talk, I would not do it. And don't I they have like do a it. countdown clock being like, yeah, right there in your face. Oh, oh. that's so stressful. I know. I would be like, I would freeze up. And we didn't get the whole 18 minutes. No. Oh, what? Boo. That's a rip off. Yeah. Um, other recommendations. Off. Annie, I see you have. Yeah. Uh, what are you so um, there's an organization called National Black Women's Justice Institute. They work with black women and families um, who are navigating the criminal justice system. And I think that it's really important that we acknowledge kind of the um, we talked about this at the beginning of the show, but um, to acknowledge kind of the unique unique challenges that women face in the um, in the system of mass incarceration, but also the the struggles that their families face and their support networks outside of prison. So um, just check out the work that they're doing, um, doing some great advocacy for black families. So it's really, really important. Um, either of you have any recommendations for our audience? Something to do, something to listen to, something to read? Um, I think we, we echoed... Okay, obviously, um, if you have the ability to watch movies on Netflix, mm-hmm. I would definitely see when they see us i know it's mm-hmm. hard it's heartbreaking mm-hmm. but it's so important yeah. to um to feel that and especially like the story of filmmaking and then mm-hmm. watch the oprah special i mean i went down the i went down the wormhole with the oprah special too and just i think realizing and recognizing that these are children you know mm-hmm. that they get sucked up and then i think to do i think we talked about it um if you can go to a black prisoners caucus summit um, and hear from the men and women themselves. I think it's so important. It's so transformative. And it, I think it's so important to give yourself a lesson in listening and just mm-hmm. garnishing wisdom mm-hmm. um, from what they are experiencing, what they know. Because, you know, we and we say it in the film too, it's like, how could we possibly understand that the reality of someone, you know, the man who's sleeping under the bridge would know the reality of what homelessness is like, mm-hmm. you know? So I think it's so important to, you know, listen, you know, if you if you want to figure out what's going on, you have to go to the you get you have to go straight to the horse's mouth. Right. Or I don't know what the phrase is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I didn't grow up with these the sayings. That phrase always confuses me anyway. But I'm like, go to the source. I know what it means. I know. Like six to one half dozen. I don't don't know what these things are. Everyone's always you're saying it wrong. I always I don't know. I didn't grow up with these things. (laughs) Um, Tanya, do you have any recommendations for our listeners? Or any final thoughts? Maybe if you don't have, like, a quote-unquote homework, but something you want to leave us with. I just think that um, for people who don't get politics, who don't, uh, who only who only even feel like they have a say or um, a buy-in into uh, the political arena every four years, mm. Mm. if you're going to vote for anybody, mm. vote for the people who are the closest to you. Fuck the president. Mm. Okay? Mm-hmm. He is not going to help you. We, If we're going to save ourselves, then we need to send somebody as a representative mm. that really reflects what we believe. So figure out 
with the people who are running for the local things around you believe, Mm -hmm. even if it's just one. And don't vote for the presidents. Okay, I won't say that. (laughs) (laughs) No, because it doesn't matter. Well, local politics is like the most, the thing that impacts the most. And I think that's something I have had to learn in the last whatever years. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the thing that's the most immediate, right? It's the bus, it's the transit, it's the, like you're talking about, the impact on housing, the the sidewalks, streetlights, schools, all that I talk to my students about that too because I teach social studies. Living wage jobs. Yeah, I, I teach social studies and so I have... I tell them if like if you're only going to get in, invested in one race or one thing like in politics make it local because that's just the best advice. I mean like I I I teach that, right? Because it's um it impacts you every day. Every single day. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Great advice. I love that. Thank you too for coming on the show. Thank we really you. We really appreciate it. Your time, your energy, your honesty, your stories. Absolutely. My phlegm. we appreciate appreciate that that too (laughs) bye peace the interchangeable white ladies podcast is part of the channel 253 network listen to our other podcasts move to tacoma nerd farmer citizen tacoma crossing division flounders b team we art tacoma and taco man (laughs) thank you sir damn you guys are in the hurt locker Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. We We fly fly Alaska. Alaska! Book your next flight on alaskaair.com. This is Channel 253.